So much in life is scripted, but this is unedited. Listen in as we have casual conversations about art and faith. Welcome to Unedited. I am Farley Sanderford. And I'm Jennifer Chetlett. And this week's episode is a bit of a two-part episode. We are interviewing our featured artists for the month of August, Anita Breitenberg. So that is the first segment of our episode. And then we will also have a debrief session after the first Friday opening reception. So we can talk about some of the cool things that happened during that reception time. We are speaking with our artist for the month of August, Anita Breitenberg, and we're just going to ask you some questions and a little conversation about you and your work. Welcome. So welcome. Welcome to our podcast. Delighted to be here. <laughs> so you're from Northern Virginia. Yes. How long have you lived up there? Since the beginning of the Civil oh. War. Since <laughs> All right, are you being facetious? Are you being I'm being dead serious. Okay. When, I'm being when was this? Okay. <laughs> Did you grow up up there? Uh, oh, I moved there when I was 12. Okay. And my father went to work for General Grant III on the Civil War Centennial. Wow. All right. And I've been stuck there ever since. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So did you go to school up there? Yeah, Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee. Wow. All right. You really are. You're Nova through and through. Yeah. <laughs> We've obviously both read through your artist statement. Um, and in the very beginning, you talk about serving in the U.N., with the UN in Bosnia in the mid nineties. Can you tell us more about that? Cause that, I read that and I was like, whatever you're legally allowed to tell us. It sounds so, very intriguing. It does. It's, it sounds very exciting. It was sort of straight out of a Charles Williams short story, Descent into Hell or one of those. Okay. <laughs> or maybe Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, wow. So the whole experience of uh, was was very enlightening mm-hmm. in terms of evil in the world. And um, I noticed all of the Christians that were on assignment there specifically had some some pretty fierce spiritual battles. Wow. Wow, I feel like there's so many more questions I want to ask you about that, but we'll we'll move along. <laughs> Tell us about your journey as an artist and what did you start out making? What kind of training do you have or are you self-taught? Tell us about yourself as an artist. I, I knew that art was a major part of my life mm-hmm. by the time I was in fourth grade. Wow. Then I was an art major in college. Where did you go? I, um, a- everywhere. Where did you graduate from? <laughs> I graduated from George Mason. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I began collage probably seriously in my 20s, in my early 20s. Okay. It was an affordable art. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had my way, I'd probably be doing large murals, but... They're expensive, sure. they're mm-hmm. time-consuming, and collage allows you to get to your subconscious very quickly, mm-hmm. and it's inexpensive, and it lets you get to flow quickly, too. You, yeah. If you're doing oils or something, it would probably take me an hour yeah. just to get to that state, whereas with collage, you're in it almost instantaneously. Mm. So you, when did you make the jump from collaging with paper and to digital when did that happen that happened when I realized I wasn't going to be able to make 40 foot monsters 
for what I wanted to do mm. was do virtual stained glass windows mm. for churches. Mm. But that was not God's plan for me. Okay. He wanted me to go smaller. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I read a whole lot of Mother Teresa saying, you know, God really likes small things from some of mm. us that I realized, okay, I'm not supposed to go up. I need to go down. Mm. And going down uh, took me into digital. Okay. And for the listener, um, if you have a chance to get to our gallery this month, you really need to come see her work. It's very powerful. They're, they're a combination of 24-inch square digital collage and then 48-inch square, but they're just really um, compelling, striking images. Um, we will get some photographs of them up on our website. So speaking of uh, collage, you kind of gave us a little bit of, of a snippet um, as far as how the process and how you make things. Um, so I, as an, uh, firstly, as an art historian and not a visual artist, I'm fascinated by artistic process. And so I was hoping you could share a little bit more about your process and how you make your work. The particular work that I do it is based on prayer and faith. And I would say those are in equal parts. Mm -hmm. I like to be very spontaneous in my work. Mm -hmm. I like the spirit to be taking over. And I find as an artist, it's it really parallels my life. It, and as I read scripture and most everything in the Bible is based on pick up your mat and walk. Mm -hmm. You know, for, for me, it's pick up your scissors and cut. Or <laughs> and So I take it as a... You know, it's a universal book. It's also a very personal book. Mm. Uh, so I think particularly in my latest work in Acts, I really wanted to get personal and identify with contemporary, bring it bring it to a more contemporary audience and have some contemporary images. Mm. Uh, but in reference to how this, if, if you want to know about how the spirit leads me, often I'll find that uh, I'm surrounded by thousands of pieces of paper and I'll, pick up one after I've been praying about it mm -hmm. and and I'll look at it a while and well, what do you know? That's exactly what you were trying to say to me. And the mm -hmm. very next piece I'll pick up, which may have absolutely nothing to do with the context of what I'm thinking. If I think about it long enough, that's exactly what the Spirit's trying to say. I find it more and more, particularly the harder the subject is, mm -hmm. The more I, if I'm stewing in it and I'm relying on my own power, mm. that that's just a complete waste of time in, in everything. Yeah. And as soon as I let go and say, well, this is just a problem. It's, I'm never going to solve this. No sooner than everything just falls into place. And it happens over and over and over. And I think as I'm an older adult, you know, all those life lessons are beginning to show up, not only in my personal life, but in my life as an artist, which is fantastic because my art is meant to be my praise mm. of our creator mm -hmm. and that's becoming more natural which is great <laughs> it sounds like like being open it really helps kind of facilitate not only the the physical making of the work but then also on a deeper spiritual life kind of level yes yes so, yeah um one of the, the, we're showing a lot of your pieces from Acts, um, which I think is part of, aside from the images themselves, just going into the book of Acts, is, I love that book of the Bible, because um, I really, it's, you know, it's our model for community. Um, can you talk a little bit about what drew you into the book of Acts? Well, the Spirit did. Okay. That's the next book I was 
supposed to do. Okay. <laughs> and, and I think um, particularly after doing Revelation, because Revelation is so, you know, we're living in a very difficult time mm -hmm. and a time that many people think this is it. Mm. And so dwelling in Revelation, uh, that, that really brought that bubbled up to the surface. And to me, and I think I believe what the Spirit was saying to me is the church is a body, particularly right now, it's crucial for us to go back to Acts and look at what was the original intent of the church? Mm -hmm. How did original mm -hmm. believers endure all the suffering that they were going through for hundreds of years, mm -hmm. horrible suffering, and how can we apply that? What lesson mm -hmm. lies there for how we relate to one another? A sense of community is being lost, particularly in you know, wealthy countries, mm -hmm. and we're, uh, we seem to be plagued by loneliness. That's a theme mm -hmm. you hear on nightly news all the time and mm -hmm. health issues. So if we go back to Acts, we can find how they built a sense of community, how they learned to be more trusting and open mm -hmm. and have that field. I think it's a, a beautiful model and pattern for us to be examining now. You know, we found you through your church, uh, Convergence Church in Alexandria, and the model of your church is really um, intriguing to me. It's different than most traditional churches. Can you tell us about your experience there as an artist and just tell us about your church? It's a fantastic place. So I went and I immediately fell in love with it. It's a fantastic place and mm -hmm. it's such a great place to have community with other artists mm -hmm. of faith. Because so often, particularly in the Protestant denominations, mm -hmm. and particularly visual artists, mm -hmm. have not been very welcome for a long time. Hundreds of years. Yeah. <laughs> We're sort of the outcast. In the, mm -hmm. And so to have a place where you're encouraged, I can for sure tell you I would have never published my books. Mm. I would have stopped working mm. probably 10 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, thereabouts. I would have just... So what does it look like? Are the services different? Are You mentioned they have a, a gallery or we read. Do they have a permanent collection with your work in it? So tell me, like, if I were to walk in there, how would I know it was different? Yeah, big time. You'd, you would know just from the vibe. <laughs> okay, from the vibe. All right. All right. So, yes, there's a gallery. There's a recording studio. Hmm. There's a theater, a black, black box theater. Wow. Um, you name it, and they've got it. Okay. It's a wonderful space. And I think another thing that's great about it is it incorporates all the arts. Mm. So getting to have musicians mm -hmm. and singers and actors and you know writers, mm -hmm. the whole gamut is really very, um, very nurturing mm -hmm. and rounding out mm -hmm. for for various artists. And uh, it's just a lovely place, and I'm delighted to see that particularly Protestants are beginning to embrace the arts as, and dance and, mm. you know, everything. I think we might need to come visit your church. Right? I see a field trip happening. Um, so one of the ways I think that, or one of the organizations that we've sort of started to develop a relationship with um, is SIVA, and I think they've been really... Christians in the visual arts. Sorry, <laughs> using acronyms without uh -huh. explaining them. Um, and so I've seen how they've really for a while now, have really sort of been on the forefront of integrating art and the artist and faith um, and, and putting those things together. And so I'm 
under the impression that you have been working with Siva for a while now. Can you, we're sort of new to this relationship with Siva. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about them or how your, your interactions with the organization and. Well, I would definitely encourage you to get your feet wet with Siva. It's a fantastic organization. The first time I went to a conference there, I was in a room of 500 or more mm -hmm. visual artists, and it was as if there's somebody else on the planet like me. Mm -hmm. It was so encouraging mm -hmm. and just such a wonderful organization. Oh, my goodness, I can't say enough good things about it. They have traveling shows, mm -hmm. which are superb. Uh, they have fantastic artists, wonderful artists as a part of that organization, and it's uh, vital. I also wanted to ask you, you talk about in your artist statement about, you use the mandala, and I'm jumping back to your show because it's in my mind. Um, it's really stunning. You use the mandala pattern, and and you reference that you're doing it for um, the purposes of like cross-cultural evangelism, cross-cultural communication, maybe that's a better word. Tell us, you know, that, that really um, hits home with us because we're a part um, the gallery is part of two other organizations. Hillside Missions does uh, training. We have an internship program um, for people to train to do cross-cultural ministry. And then World Horizons, which also offices out of our building and we're connected to, they send. They're the sending part. Um, so I'm really, you know, cross-cultural cross ministry is something that um, we do uh, also. So talk to me more about that. Prior to my trip to Bosnia, I'd been working in collage, but I never worked in a mandala format. Mm -hmm. When I was there, I met many people, many Christians, many priests in mm -hmm. monasteries who were Serbian Orthodox, who, even though Tito had allowed Christianity to, to exist, basically in a communist state, they, they really didn't have any idea of, of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I was so touched by their, um, their tears. I mean, mm -hmm. I would see priest cry and say, I don't know who Moses is. I don't know. Mm -hmm. it, it was so touching mm -hmm. to see this. So I wanted to find a format that I thought was more inviting, mm -hmm. and particularly uh, for mm -hmm. Asian cultures, because they, at, at that particular time, were very having visual images mm -hmm. that they could relate to. Mm -hmm. And also, um, that image, I always have a cross in the middle. Mm -hmm. You can't mm -hmm. escape the cross, mm -hmm. and the cross is you know, the basis of our faith and mm -hmm. uh, the, the glory that awaits us. So the fact that there was the cross, that it wasn't an intimidating or uh, dark, it, you could do all kinds of things with this that would be familiar to someone from Tibet, mm -hmm. someone from China, India, they would be familiar with that format. That's why I chose that format. Have you seen a difference in how it's been received, like here in this country as opposed to abroad? I actually on Facebook had a large following from China wow. and mm -hmm. from India. Mm -hmm. So that was encouraged to see, encouraging for me to mm -hmm. see that they were making a connection yeah. to that, those shapes. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't asked you about? I'm delighted to be here. Mm -hmm. Your gallery is fantastic. <laughs> Your st staff is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, just thrilled. Thank you. Since the interview that we have with the artist actually happened before the show opened officially. We wanted to talk a little bit about how the show was received in our gallery. One of the cool things that happened is Anita 
actually sold some of her pieces, and there was a particular sale of a particular piece of art that was pretty memorable. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, actually, Leah told the story because I wasn't there when it happened, but um, before they were even done putting the finishing touches on the show, um, a gentleman walked was walking by outside on the sidewalk, and the piece we had up closest to the front of the gallery to our big window that faces the street, he stopped and was um, just sort of captivated by it. And she motioned for him to come in and he said, you know, are these for sale? And she said, yeah. And he said, I want to buy that one and proceeded to pull money out. She said, wait, 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 you know, the artist isn't here right now. The way it works when we hang shows, um, the art, as most galleries, it has to be up for the whole month. She said, you know, come back tonight when the artist is here and then you know, explained the whole situation to him. And he did. He came back, like, at the beginning of the show and paid her cash for art and um, had no idea of the scripture reference, which is an axe, which um, she began to explain to him. It was just really neat because, uh, you know, I don't want to draw a whole bunch of conclusions, but he was unfamiliar. One didn't know that she was doing, like, that her work was directly influenced from scripture. One, he didn't know that. Two, he wasn't familiar with the verse. Three, he loved it and was excited to have it in his home. And it's big. It's a four by four piece. Yeah. Um, so that was just fun to see, to see her work impact him in that way. And that particular piece is a, you know, they're, of course, they're all in the mandala, which she talked about in her interview, um, kind of like in quadrants. Um, and that one is of a woman who appears to be, well, African, probably. Yeah. Um, but she's stunning. It's just striking. It's a striking image. Yeah. One of the things that uh, the artist Anita talks about, specifically how she creates her images, is that uh, she wanted to make them for the purpose of cross-cultural communication, mm. um, partly because of the images themselves, but also because of this sort of idea of the mandala. Um, which is a pretty international kind of right. concept. Do you think she was successful in that, at least based on the First Friday experience? Yeah, I would say so. You know, we, and we've talked about this before, how the art world, at least the one we're a part of, is it's pretty white. We're all yeah. white people in our gallery right now, and that changes from year to year. Um, but but right now we Even are in art museums, right? Like big art museums. Most of the people that are coming into that space are white. White. Well, and and historically, especially art is in, often shown that is made by white, white people, people and art. Like even in the church, that's who they painted. There's not many right. representations of any other ethnicity, right? You know, in art history, and you certainly know more about that than I do. Yeah. But it's all white. So that is one of the things that was so striking about her work in, in her interpretations and in everything that we have up, you know, is a lot from Revelation. The big pieces are all from the book of Acts. And then um, there's a few other verses. But the, most of the big pieces are people of color. And their images are beautiful and they're really compelling. Her use of um, not just skin color, but the other colors she chooses are really um, powerful. So what was interesting to me to watch on Friday night was um, we are in a pretty diverse neighborhood, and we definitely see that with the people who come through on a first Friday. Um, but it was really fun to see people of color in our gallery really, you know, they, they, 
they hung around, they stayed around in the gallery for a while. They took selfies, which we've talked about in the past, but they took pictures of themselves with the art, I think because they connected yeah. with it, seeing people, you know, of their same skin color hanging on our walls in beautiful artwork. I liked that. And she did too, because I was watching Anita during the show. Yeah. And the, you know, the two big, the two images we have, and there are pictures of this up in our social media, and there will be on our website also. Um, they're both from Axe, and they, there are these two dark-skinned guys with, like, sunglasses on. And, yeah. and this group, uh, the guy pulled out his sunglasses <laughs> and, like, posed between the two of them. And um, it, it was just really, it was just great. It was just great to see. Um, it was just great. So I would say, yes, she was successful yeah. in, in her cross-cultural communication. Yeah, there's definitely something really powerful about being able to to see someone who looks like you in yes. a work of art. And especially, I think, personally. And her work is excellent. We knew that she was going to be bringing some books, uh, which is sort of an unusual thing that, that she did. But it was really cool. So she has uh, these books that she has made that include images of her work sort of grouped together by the book from the Bible that they're based on, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a book that's about all the images associated with the book of Acts, all the that's images, right? Yes. And there's one about Revelation. There's one, you know, about other, other uh, verses from scripture that she's been using as sort of how they inform the images that she creates. So she brought these books with her. Um, and so I don't know about you, but did you have any idea about how many she had published and what did you see at least on first Friday, how people kind of responded to those, to those books. Yeah. I had no idea she was as prolific as she is as an artist. Right. Um, because these are not just little books. They're, you know, they're full of right. digital collage that she has made. And yeah, you mentioned Revelation, Acts is her newest one. I think she has one on the gospels or part of the gospels, Psalms. She's got one on Psalms. sold quite a few of them and they're just full of images. We, um, We'll have a link for you if you want to see them. But you can go to Amazon and look her up. And she's published tons of books, which I think is unusual for us. I don't know that we show too many artists who are also published authors. Right. Which is just impressive. It's just really impressive. She, in our interview, categorized herself as an, as an older adult, um, <laughs> which we're handling very gently. But her, her uh, mastery of digital media is impressive. Yeah. Absolutely. And the volume of work she's turning out is impressive. So I think that speaks of her passion for her faith and what she's doing. So yeah, that, that was, um, that was a surprise to me. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we will have links in our episode notes to where you can purchase her books, uh, or read our gallery statement, which Farley wrote or her artist statement. Um, or just generally learn more about her because she's really an interesting person and, and definitely worth learning more about. So again, thanks for joining us. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to Unedited so you never miss an episode. And maybe leave us a review if you're listening on iTunes so others can find us. And as always, please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at podcast at reachthenations.org if you have questions, comments, or show ideas. So see you next time. Thanks for listening to Unedited. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Hillside Missions and Gallery Edit in Richmond, Virginia. You can reach us at podcast at reachthenations.org.